and welcome to Dan's Moves, Eats and Learns podcast. So welcome back if you did listen to the first episode or the introduction and if not then just welcome and come along for the ride. So this does feel still a little bit strange especially when I first press record to start recording something but here we go. This is aimed at covering three topics, hence the moves, eats and learns, which are important to me. So the moving today is going to be the one time I've done a triathlon, which is, was a sprint distance one arranged at short notice. So I'll tell you about how that went and how that came down and to become a thing. And then we're going to talk about, I was going to talk about meat in general, but I've got a friend who's over in the States at the moment. And because it got me thinking uh, with him over there and him asking about suggestions from a group of us for places to eat over there, I thought I'd um, talk a little bit about my experience of American food for the one time that I've been to America. It was about 20 years ago. And then going to talk at the end about reframing. Uh, this was something, I'm not even sure if that's what it's called, but that was something I learned about a long time ago. Um, probably not far off 20 years ago, um, a way of coping with certain things that perhaps have a negative response. And it ties in with something I had on a podcast and then it reminded me of it. And it's a really useful and, and it's quite a, quite a quick and powerful technique for dealing with things that you're not terribly thrilled about doing or your reaction perhaps is quite a negative one. So I am sitting in my kitchen recording this uh, because I have the opportunity to. So this is a week down the line from the previous one. I was going to give it about two weeks in between. I've had ideas about what to do for this one and a couple of other ones. And because my 10-year-old is off sick from school today, this was a perfect opportunity to record another one of these. And I'll probably just post it up because um, I'm just impatient like that. So using the time wisely, possibly, although um, some people might think otherwise. So I am Dan and I'm currently training for the London Marathon. Um, you can find me on Instagram at, well, what's my Instagram? Um, <laughs> Dan runs London Marathon. There we go. That just went out of my head completely. Dan runs London Marathon um, on Instagram. Dan runs London Marathon. So I will probably change the name of that at some point if I carry on doing it, but I've just hit 500 followers today. Woo! Um, and I ran 13 kilometers this morning, which was just shy of an hour and a half. It's the longest run I have ever done. And my legs are feeling slightly uncomfortable now. So I've just been stretching lots and um, getting up and moving quite a bit. So there we go. The important thing to me, as you know from the previous one, is doing movement type stuff, doing some sort of exercise makes me feel a lot better. I say it's important to me, I don't always do it, but I'm going through a patch of doing it now. And two years ago it was. So I was looking back on my Strava and this is the fittest I've been for two years according to Strava. So two years ago I hit a peak which was roughly the same as the peak I'm at now. What I was doing then was cycling a lot and I'd started running as well. So this is where I was probably, was I fitter than now? I wasn't running as far as I'm running now, but I was cycling as well, so who knows. The obvious thing here was that I'm doing two thirds of a triathlon there in my training, and I thought, hey, why don't we do a sprint distance triathlon? I've got a friend who's involved in one of the local triathlon groups, and he does very well, he's just done, um, the Ironman Cork and the uh, the run length of the 70.3 in Weymouth in a relay team. So um, big shout out to uh, Tristan Russell, 
um, my Ironman friend, who is also um, a good uh, drinking buddy when neither of us are training and we can actually have a beer. And he is organizing my training plan for me. So um, success or not success is a little bit down to uh, Tristan as much as it is my own efforts. So we'll see how it goes. Going well so far. I think he'd suggested or brought to my attention the sprint distance triathlon that happens here each year done by Bustin Skins, um, who are great, uh, built a great community as a local um, triathlon events company, I guess. Um, and it was so sprint distance triathlon. There was no way I was ever going to do a longer one. Uh, I just, you know, my, so my problem with triathlon is I am a terrible swimmer. I really am. Um, I just, I've just never scared of water would probably be definite up there. Although I do go in water and I love swimming around in the sea, but I'm just not, I'm not a strong swimmer. I don't move very fast. I'm not very fluid in the water. I don't like getting water all over my face. So I don't like diving and jumping in that kind of thing. Although I will give it a go here and there if I'm prepared. So the idea of doing even a 750 meter swim, and it was a pool swim, so it was a little bit, um, it wasn't the best idea. So what I did was I went down with Tristan and another chap, and we decided to swim the length, that's 750 meters uh, in the sea, just down from us. So we did that, and then we went for a run afterwards. So did the swim, did fine. I wasn't particularly fast, but I made it up the beach a bit and back down the beach of what we figured was about 750 meters. This was about a month before the sprint triathlon. So I thought, hey, great, I can do this. Brilliant. And then just focused on cycling and running. Um, so it got to the day of the triathlon and actually I was quite excited and I got all sorted out and we had to be there really early in the morning. It was dark and it was cold and it was, uh, but I was buzzing, um, very excited. I didn't sleep much the night before. So I'd eaten quite well, um, had some snacks in the morning and got there bright and early. I think I was one of the first ones there. Got all set up, got the bike in, chatted to some other people. Everyone's really excited and supportive, which is fantastic. And I talked to someone who came up from London for it. So I'm sure there must have been some ones closer there, but I think they really wanted to, um, to have a go, see how well they could do. So that was great. There was a few first timers I talked to, some people who'd done it the previous one that had been put on. So it was all, um, all very positive, all fantastic. So a little while later, we meet in the hallway. <clears throat> everyone's sort of a bit nervous and they try and organize us into groups for the swim so they do this thing where you know put your hand up if you're going to do the swim this is a 750 meter pool swim it's like it's olympic sized pool i think so you go from one end to the other one swim back swim back swim back you let people by politely eventually they're going obviously quicker than you so i now the problem there is so the way they organized it was slow people first fast people last if i remember correctly which you can see the problem there because you're going to get caught by the people behind you, even with a little gap, which did happen to me a lot, but I jump ahead slightly. So we're in the hall and the guy who's organizing it, Mark, um, you know, geeing everybody up and he's like, who's, who's going to do the swim in like four minutes? And um, I believe four minutes is quite quick. I'm not sure. I, I'd have to check back on times and that. And like people put their hands over, he's like, anyone on, you know, five minutes and et cetera, et cetera. You've got like 10 minutes. Is anyone 10 minutes? And me and a few others put our hands up. And he's like, anyone who says over 10 minutes, then you, you'll do it quicker than that. There's no way you're doing it in, um, in over 10 minutes. So that was kind of reassuring. Um, that my idea that I would do it in 10 minutes, because I had worked this out based on how quick I had done the, the swim in the sea. So. so here I am, not particularly a strong swimmer. The last time I've tried sort of swimming in a pool, I don't know, it's ages ago. So, but I can run and I can cycle. 
So in my head, I've got the cardio for this, you know, and, and I've done and I've done weights and this kind of thing. So my arms are strong. They're not, you know, they're not. I haven't got an issue with physical strength, um, especially at that time. I was quite quite a good all round, you know, physically good shape. I didn't realize um, quite how much technique was involved in swimming in a, in a pool, especially because although you've got the waves in the sea, you've also got a lot of salt in the sea. So you're a bit more buoyant. Turns out I'm not a buoyant person. Um, I, a, lot, a lot of my efforts were maintained in staying afloat um, and my arms tired quickly. They, um, so I was very slow. I did this weird mixture of front crawl and breaststroke. Um, and then when I got too tired for that, because I was just exhausted, I just found this, this swimming business just exhausting. I would stop, people would overtake me. Um, halfway through, I actually was like, shit, I'm sinking. Um, and it, it, if you're not a strong swimmer, being in the middle of an Olympic-sized pool that's deep, <laughs> it, feels, it, it feels really uncomfortable. Um, I would say fearful would be one way of putting it. I was terrified. I had visions of this, these teenagers having to jump in and rescue me from the poolside because they're always young on the poolside, these lifeguards. And that's what I thought was, was gonna end up happening and I just felt awful. So not one to admit defeat. I didn't let myself sink. And um, so I switched onto my back and did some backstroke for a while. And I did this weird kind of back breaststroke thing. Um, and eventually, I don't know how long it took. I think it took me like 14 minutes. This no one's going to take over 10 business. No, rubbish. Um, I took over, I think it was, I think it was 14 minutes, something like this. And I made it out. And when I, my efficiency in my swimming technique must just be diabolical because honestly I was exhausted so I trot off with legs wobbly legs and, and arms wobbly arms round to to get my um get my bike so I get round there I'm a bit haphazard um so I've also recorded tried to record this on my watch now anyone who records stuff on their Garmin on their you know whichever whatever you've got their eye their eye watch is not an eye watch is it Apple watch anyone who records things you become obsessed with this. So I couldn't get my watch to work on the inside swim. So I hadn't actually practiced it, didn't know how it worked. So this, this frustrated me because at this point I'm tired and frustrated. So I get to the bike and the friggin' thing won't turn off the, uh, the swim. So I can't get it off the swim record, but obviously being slightly obsessed with my numbers and my watch and now doing an actual organized triathlon I paid for, I am not starting cycling till my watch will pick up the ride. Because clearly the ride won't happen unless I'm actually recording it. That would just be insane. Forget the fact it is being recorded by the organizers. But so I eventually get it going and off I go. Now this heads up, so this triathlon was on Portland. So the swimming pool is at the, the bottom, um, underhill. Well, it's not under, but it's at the bottom of the hill as you enter Portland. Then as you would, um, you would guess if you don't know Portland, you then, if you're going to go anywhere on Portland, you've got to go, well, up the hill to Top Hill. Well, kind of. Um, so you've got to go up the hill. Now, when I say hill, I really do mean hill. It's, it's, a, it's a horrible incline. I've done it once on the weeks before and I didn't like it then. There was a lot of slow people because you really, you're just pedaling. Just pedal, 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 pedal. Because it's, it's quite steep in patches. And when you've just come out of the pool, and you're, you're physically exhausted because you're just cack at swimming. <clears throat> the last thing, people were struggling who were clearly awesome swimmers and in good shape. It's, 
And I say struggling, they're not struggling. And, and I wasn't actually that bad. I didn't have to get off the bike. There were people who had to get off and push. I didn't have to get off the bike. I was going to get to the top without doing it. But it is steep and it takes time and it takes effort and you don't feel like you're going anywhere fast. So it is a bit frustrating. But I got up it. I enjoy cycling, um, I, especially then because I was doing it regularly. So the cycle went really well. I was really comfortable with it. And I get to the end of Portland by where the bill is, turn around, come back. And I'm actually, I, I've overtaken people that absolutely trashed me in the swim. So I, I was feeling pretty good here. I'm not trying to get any kind of record time here or beat people, but it just happened that, that I did. And I felt good about that. And you don't have to go, you don't have to overtake people. You don't have to beat people, but it does feel good if you do overtake somebody. So um, <clears throat> then we get back to the top of the hill and we've got to cycle down it. Now, there were very strict instructions not to race down the hill because there are some sharp hairpin bends and there's traffic. They haven't stopped the road traffic. So it's quite, it is quite hectic coming down, um, coming down the hill from the top of Portland to the bottom. Now, the added to this, um, as well as being slightly afeard of um, open water, I am um, not a confident downhill how fast can I go kind of guy on the bike. Um, I do, I actually enjoy the uphills um, and I enjoy pedaling on the flats in a slight decline. However, racing down a steep hill, I'm not that good. Um, I get a bit nervous, a bit anxious. I'm on the brakes. I've got visions of the brakes failing me and me just going flying into a corner. Um, I'd also heard stories about someone who had come off the previous year and it was just, it's just horrible. So there was, I got back into cycling, went out with um, Tristan quite regularly. He's much quicker than me and much, got much more stamina being an Ironman and whatnot. However, he always very graciously um, slowed his pace for me. Now, he, we had a few hills that we'd go down and he is absolutely fearless and he flies down those hills with complete faith in his bike. I have no faith in my bike at all. I've still got scars where I came off on a flat and that was, I think, like three years ago. So I'll, if ever I see you, I'll show you. I've got um, on my, um, my right wrist in my right, just by my right elbow, I completely ripped the skin off, probably on my legs as well. Um, that's another story though. So... Tristan was coming down one of the uh, steep hills that just outside of where we live, coming back after a ride with me. And I was quite far behind him because I'd come down quite slowly and we hit the flat bit. Actually, he'd slowed right down and he looked round to check I was okay. And as he turned back, I just saw, yeah, I think he got, he clipped his, uh, his handlebars just by a bit of bush sticking out. And he just, he flipped and just went down, bang. And... Uh, honestly, his head bounced off the ground. And when I got to him, he was um, unconscious and coming round. And his face was got all bloody quite quickly. Um, so we sort of got him somewhere safe. He was in a complete daze. Uh, obviously, being the uh, true uh, Ironman triathlete, keen cyclist and runner he is, first thing he said was, how's the bike? Um, so the bike was fine, you'll be pleased to hear. Um, when I called his wife um, to let her know that um, everything was fine, but... He's going away in an ambulance. Then um, he, uh, he did talk to her. Um, and again, the first thing he said to her was bring a chain for the bike because they're taking you to the hospital. Um, very important that the bike is safe, even if you've got a bloody gash in your head. So, um, so anyway, that, doesn't, that didn't fill me with confidence about the downhills, even with someone coming off who's experienced on a flat. So the point is, I went very slowly on the downhill. To be fair, when I looked at the numbers afterwards, I probably could have edged up the, the rankings, so to speak, if I'd have just gone down the hill 
a little bit quicker, not race down it, but I was, I was like the, op I was probably going as slow down the hill as some people went up the hill. I, I am just, I'm just not that person. I'm not an adrenaline junkie with that kind of thing. I do, as some people who know me know, will take some stupid risks about certain things, but things like that, I'm just, yeah, it's not me. I'm trying to work that out. We'll see how it goes. So I get back down. I'm feeling pretty good because actually, because it's all downhill the last bit, you, you're buzzing and you're going. Then something that I hadn't actually, again, in the previous four weeks since deciding to do this, hadn't planned, uh, hadn't practiced, was getting off a bike and running. So the after cycling, so the kind of swimming, 750 meters, um, being pretty confident with a 20 kilometer cycle, which is, you know, it's fine. Um, there was a 5k run. Now I was running 5k in about 30 minutes. I felt, I think I had my best time around this time, um, but obviously I wasn't going to get that now. So off I go for the run, not realizing that jumping off a bike and running is just anyone out there who's done this, you know, you know what it's like, how people do it for like an Ironman or or the, the middle distance triathlons or anything like this, I do not know because I, my legs just wobbled. They, they were just complete jelly as I headed off and down, down on the causeway there. Um, but I got in a rhythm and I was, I'd got through the swim and survived. I'd had almost no sleep and been up early and I'd had a great cycle and I was buzzing and running's, I, I'm a big, I'm not, I'm not small. So I know in this silly tri-suit I'm wearing, because this was also the first time wearing a tri-suit, um, feeling a bit of a pillock, but at least everyone else looked the same as me. And yeah, no one else looked a pillock. I didn't look at them and think, oh, you're a pillock. But I was pretty sure I looked like a pillock. So there we go. So there I was running on down and it was not, I overtook a couple of people again. Somebody overtook me. Everybody was really positive. People are cheering people on. And it was just a fantastic atmosphere. And then I spin round at the halfway, come back. And then I'm there, absolutely exhausted because I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm still not like tip top, like super amateur fit at this point. I'm just a lot fitter than I used to be. Um, and there I am, I'm cheering the other people on. The people who are coming past me, the, the, the big guys, the slow guys, the people who are even slower than me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, come on, you can do this. And, um, and it's just... It was just fantastic. And I got to the end and everyone cheers you as you come through. And I don't know, I can't even remember what happened after that, but I got a little medal or something. I think I got like a buff, like one of those scarf things that's like tied together and a bit elasticated and some bits. So, and I wander off, um, and I wander off to the car, take the wheel off the bike, put it in the boot. Um, so I really should have got a bike rack because it wasn't ideal. And, and I head home. And it's a kind of a bit of a, I've talked about before, I think in the previous episode, you get that slight anticlimax because it's like, oh, okay, I'm done. That's it. That was, that was all it was. But I was buzzing and it was, it was fantastic to have done. Even thinking back now, it was fantastic. So who knows? Next year, I might have another little go at this, but I'm going to be doing a lot of practice at the swimming. In fact, we, we've got a good weekend uh, weather-wise coming up and we're heading down the beach tomorrow. So I'm going to have a little swim back and forth and just, just see, see how I go. And, um, yeah, just, just get some, I've been trying to get some practice when we've been in the, uh, in the sea this year, just getting my head in the water, doing that front crawl thing where your head's down and every like, is it third stroke you breathe? I'm, I'm trying to get something going with that. So we'll see. I think after the marathon that, that there might be a 70.3 on the cards for next September, but we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see how it goes. 
So that was my, my triathlon thing. So it was a spur of the moment thing, not planned like four weeks before. I was like, yeah, I could do that. I think it cost me 35 quid. Um, and it, it wasn't, I wasn't trained for it and I, I didn't really know what I was doing. So it, it wasn't the best. I didn't put myself in the best situation for a successful or enjoyable time. However, um, apart from nearly drowning, which maybe just gave a great contrast then to the, to the uh, cycle and the run. It was, it was a great experience. And I would recommend doing a, although it's called a sprint, you don't have to obviously sprint, but a sprint distance triathlon, I think is, is just, it's just a fantastic experience. And if you're trying to level up your fitness a bit, it's a great thing to aim for. And if you actually practice swimming and do some cycling and some running, it's just, it's just fantastic all around fitness. It really is. So Chucking some weight training as well, which I've really got to get on and, and do because um, I'm just going to, my muscles will fade away um, and I won't be able to lift anything up. So um, must get on with that. So there you go. So that was great. Um, and the next thing I wanted to go over was, so food. So a friend's over in, I think, San Francisco. Um, and he texted our group chat uh, that we got with a few friends. And any recommendations for some, some fast food places in America? because uh, we're getting a bit bored with um, Macadies and Burger King. And that led to a brief back and forth with people suggesting things. And then it reminded me of the time that I was in the States. So rather than, I was going to talk about meat, but that's a bit of a heavy subject. So I'm going to talk about uh, American food. So I went over to the States for two weeks back uh, 20 years ago, about 2003, maybe, maybe four, something like that, maybe 2004. So it was some time ago and travel down the east coast and it was all done on a budget so rooms were dead cheap you get these brochures as you enter states which which give you discounts on things like the best western and those other popular motel type places that i can't remember the names of i won't go into the whole trip because it, it was quite an experience but the food so the first place we went into was subway the and it was in new york and it was i it was like being interrogated um, by some very, not very nice people. They wanted, never been in a subway before. I don't even know whether they were that popular in the UK then. But so if I go in a subway now, they say, oh, what bread do you want? I'm not ready. I'm like, oh, what are your options again? And they're like, and what do you want? Oh, I don't know. I'm looking at the thing. I don't know. So I'll have the, I'll have the, 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 the text Mex or whatever it's called. Um, and then they're like, oh, what salad do you want? And I'm like, oh, well, I'll have a bit, of, yeah, a bit extra of that. Uh, no cucumbers because it makes me feel a bit ill. Um, and that's how I approach it. And then they're like, oh, do you want any extras in that? Um, and I'm like, oh, I'll have a cookie. Go on, I'll have a cookie. So in New York, totally different. It was a case of, what do you want? What? And then you felt this, people behind you trying to, because they're in a rush. The, the guys on trying to serve you, they are literally putting stuff in these bits of, they're grabbing the bread before you even tell them what you want. They're putting stuff in there. Like, just make me something because I, I can't, I don't know what's happening here. Um, so that was chaos. But I think it tasted good. I don't really remember. Um, good food in New York was, uh, there was a burrito, street burrito. And that was awesome. Uh, cheese, rice, meat in a giant wrap. That way. Um, and it just kind of, sums up the, the the next two weeks really a lot of meat a lot of bread so for breakfast if we got up early enough so they would have a continental breakfast usually um, except for one place in atlantic city which actually did do make your own waffles which were pretty cool 
um, sort of giant thing of batter you poured into the, the griddle, the, the, the waffle iron. So, but most places had a continental breakfast. Now, this is not like you're thinking if you are from Europe and you've actually had a breakfast on the continent. Um, this is actually some choices of Danishes, and I do mean sweet, sticky, stodgy, bready Danishes. Um, and if you get there early enough, you might get an apple. Um, I don't even remember seeing bananas. It was mostly apples, I think. And that's what it was. Um, so breakfast usually consisted of, of sugar dough, basically. Um, lunches were just, were just gone on the fly, usually fast food places. So uh, first of my Taco Bell, that was cool. Um, again, just disgusting takeaway food. And evening meals were, were sort of on the cheap, but like, you know, cheap diners, that kind of thing. So again, mostly meat and bread, sugar, fat, and meat and bread. That was basically what we ate um, for, for two weeks. Now, after probably, I think it was the fourth or fifth day, we were in Atlantic City and there was a buffet. I got very excited because they had broccoli at the buffet. I was like, oh God, a vegetable. I wasn't even that mad about veg and salad and everything at the time like I am now. But I was just like, thank God there's a vegetable because I haven't had any veg for, you know, for five, six days. I haven't seen a vegetable. So I grabbed this broccoli and I'm like, oh, it's a bit watery. It's got some water. So I go to stick it in my mouth when I sit down and it's, it's not water, it's butter. They've just coated the broccoli in butter. And I was just, oh, it was hot. I don't think I even could eat it. I can, I'm thinking of it now. It makes me feel sick and I like butter. But it was just horrendous. Even the healthy stuff, they made unhealthy. And for two weeks over there, I, I got constipated. I remember that while we were there because it's just, you can't eat that kind of food. Um, I'm sure I put on a, a load of weight. Now, I really love food, but it was just horrendous. It was just horrendous. If you are eating cheap and traveling in the States 20 years ago, might be totally different today. Um, you're gonna come home diabetic with high blood pressure and raise cholesterol. I just, I, I don't understand how people can you know, survive on that sort of stuff. And maybe it's the same here and I just don't notice, but I don't think it is. It was just sugar, meat, fat, that, you know, all the, all, all the best parts of a balanced diet. Um, I, some of the food was great, don't get me wrong, but it was sugar, meat, and fat. And, and that's not something you can sustain a country on, but even though they tried. You know. So that was my um, experience of uh, American dining. So if I go back, maybe it'd be different, but I don't know. Um, lots of food, but the price was good. I must admit, you know, we were, we were on the cheap and it didn't, you know, for what, for what we got out of two weeks, hell of a good price. So that was good. So I don't recommend you make a plan if you're going to America to eat it or just accept that you might die while you're there. Um, and then... To finish up this episode, I want to talk about reframing, and I'm wondering whether I'm going to explain this properly or not. This was back along, I was interested in uh, hypnotherapy and self-development, and I got a little bit interested in NLP, neurolinguistic programming. I'm generally convinced NLP as a whole is a bit of a hodgepodgey, well-marketed collection of stuff that some work, some doesn't, but we're going to use language that makes it sound like it's scientific when really it's not. However, that's not to say some of the techniques don't help people. And I certainly think um, hypnosis can really, you know, that, that can really make a difference for people as well. Uh, maybe talk about that another time. 
So reframing was something that I've used before and it is something that I did for my mum. So um, back along. So my parents had, they still do, well no they don't because mum's not with us anymore. They had a uh, septic tank and there was problems with a septic tank at times <clears throat> because the... It could, because there was a feed from the neighbours as well going in the same tank and, and gravity being what it was and problems with the piping. And sometimes the, uh, the, the drain would get blocked outside. This would require rodding the drain, which is pretty much what it sounds like. You get a really long rod that screws together. I mean, like we're talking about like 10 metres worth of um, bits of wood with, a, with a, an end that's designed to unblock the drain. So you, you push it, you take the lid off the drain, push it down. If anyone's had a septic tank or anyone's had to rod the drains, I don't think it's much of a thing these days, but it, it certainly was, you know, back along. Then, you know, it's not nice. It's, it's the toilet drain. <clears throat> well, it's the drain for the house, but you know, the thing that's gonna block it and smell it, that's the toilet stuff. And it, it stinks and it's horrible and it is disgusting. So it's not something thankfully had to be done very often, but it was something that had to be done. So. And mum, mum struggled with this. Um, I think we probably all did. So I remember teaching mum um, one time this technique and she, she replaced the... So there was... With reframing, you look at the thing that, that bothers you, that you, you're not happy with your reaction with. And this was a reminder about this because of a, a Rich Roll podcast episode recently with some Australian chap. So um, that sort of kicked it off in my head as well. So you, you take the thing that, that happens that you're not happy with the way you react to. In this case, it was the rotting the drains for mum and her reaction was to feel physically sick. Not exactly surprising. So then we looked at um, reframing it. So you look at, you still get the same stimulus, but you get a different reaction to it. You take yourself down a different sort of neural pathway, I guess, if you wanted to dress it up in, in that kind of language. So, and this worked for mum. We, we spent literally five minutes doing this. Um, or maybe it's just I'm gifted when I come to help people. Who knows? Um, if you'd like me to help you, I'll only charge you a £1,000 an hour. So please do get in touch. Um, that's not true. I'm not going to do that. Um, and five minutes doing this. And this sorted mum out for, for years. She was, still, um, she was still going to her rice paddy, which is what I'll explain in a minute. And, um, and it worked. And this was something that just five minutes and it changed her whole reaction to something that for several years had been problematic, let's say, and it changed her reaction for, for, for a decade or more um, afterwards, which is just, well, it's amazing, really, it is. Um, and mum wasn't one necessarily to hide her reactions to spare. Well, she would spare your feelings, but that's, it's not the kind of reaction you can hide. Um, she was a lovely person, always wanted everyone to be happy and jolly, so. Um, so what we had there was you create an image in your mind of the thing that the, the stimulus. So in this case, it was the drains and the rods. That was, you know, if, if, you, if you looked at, talk to mum and like, what's the thing you think of that, you know, the rods, the drain, that's, she's going out, you know, the smell, it's there. Ooh, um, disgusting. So create an image, you know, you, you create that image. That's the one you're going to use as your, your stimulus. So you create this image and it's big and vibrant and bright. You see everything indeed. The things that's really horrible, you see it in this picture. Um, like the greatest artist ever who, who created the most emotional impact had, had made it. So we've got that there, right? Then we put that away and, and store it away for in a bit. 
Then we create a new picture. In this case, and it's, it's what you want your reaction to be. So the thing that's going to create this feeling of something else inside you. So that could be confidence. Um, it Maybe you don't like public speaking, so you create the image of the public speaking. Um, and then you create your, your you as confident. You know, you are Tony Robbins up on stage dominating the audience. Um, and in this case, it was a rice paddy because we it was kind of not dissimilar in some ways. You're, you're working outside doing something and... It's just a lovely, beautiful image of a nice, peaceful rice paddy. Now, I'm sure those people don't think it's all lovely and wonderful when they're out there back-breaking work in the rice paddies. However, from a Western point of view, it just looks lovely, doesn't it? So, created this image in her mind of the rice paddy, looking all wonderful and peaceful and lovely. So lovely, so bright and vivid that it, you know, she could feel the peace just, just emanating through her. So then we put that away. And we go back to the original picture now. The idea is you bring up big, bright, the stimulus, the, the, the rods, the drain, the and then you, you whiz it away like you're in some kind of giant cinema and it's there, giant in front of you, dominating your world. And you, you make the picture zip away and almost like it's going into the distance, off into like the left-hand bottom corner. And it's gone. And it's gone. And, but as it goes you realise there's another picture in the distance on the right-hand side in the bottom right corner, and you make that one bigger. Now, you probably see where this is going. That replacement picture becomes big and bright, and that is your rice paddy. So, there you go. And then, then you, you wipe it away, and you, you, know, you come away. Then you go back into your mental cinema, and you, you have the big picture, the, the stimulus. You, you whiz it up in front of you. Big stimulus. Oh, my God, it's horrible, bright. And then you whoosh into the corner, and it goes dark and it goes gray and dark and woof, it's gone and at the same time with the other picture up the rice paddy boom and it's there in front of you and you you replay this so you've got to reset in between each one and then you go back to it and do it again and you do this you know you could do it a dozen times it's uh, don't go too crazy but a dozen times for whichever one you're doing and it creates a different response and it really works if you commit to it and create the pictures properly and you really do whoosh, whoosh, flash one away one in like and it really does create just a different response to certain stimuli now I'm not saying this is going to work in every situation for everybody but it does work really well and you can use it for confidence on stage you can use it for work interviews maybe I should try that if ever I do a work interview again um, you can do it for talking on podcasts um, or something like this maybe maybe um, and there's a whole variety of things for a sporting event to desensitize yourself or have a better reaction to certain events if you know that there is a point where you struggle or get nervous or anxious or this kind of thing. So um, maybe stopping smoking. I seem to recall trying to use this actually when I stopped smoking, but I can't quite remember now. Um, but anyway, it worked anyway. So the, what I would say is with the picture that you create, the first picture, the thing that's the stimuli, let's say it was public speaking, right? It's not enough for you to create a like a theater in your mind and you're going to be standing on the theater um that's not as your stimuli is the thing that kicks it off that's not the thing you need to think about right where are you going to be when this is uh, don't you know this isn't for like oh i've got a public speaking six months time it's like so no i've got to stand up at a wedding and give a speech so Find out what the venue roughly looks like. Maybe you find out what the clothes are going to be, who's going to be there. So when you create that image in your mind, 
you're actually working with the real situation as best you can. So you're, when you look around, you're seeing the people that are going to be there. You're seeing the bride and groom whose wedding you're going to. You're seeing the rough, you know, roughly what the place is going to look like, what people might be wearing. So that when you actually stand up and you actually give this speech, it corresponds to what's really there rather than you just going, oh, I'm going to create this image of public speaking like me on a stage with a theatre. It's like that's not where you're going to have the problem though. You're going to have the problem when you stand up at your friend's wedding and they're getting married, not in the theatre when you're performing Othello on stage. So unless you are performing Othello on stage, in which case absolutely go for it in the theatre. I hope that kind of makes sense. Um, it does to me. So if you want any um, tidbits of random advice on that kind of thing, please do drop me a message. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Dan's Moves, Eats and Learns. Uh, no, you see there's me getting confused again. Dan Runs London Marathon. Instagram, Dan Runs London Marathon. Of course, if this stays around for a while, who knows, maybe there will be a Dan's Moves, Eats and Learns um, Instagram page and other social media. However, at the current time, um, this being um, October 23, there is not. So don't go there now. But you can go to Dan Runs London Marathon. There we go on Instagram. So give that a go. Um, more followers are always fun and it gives me a little hit of dopamine every time someone follows me. So that would be absolutely awesome um in the meantime this has been fun to do another one i was a little bit nervous at the beginning i don't know if you could tell but i've got in the swing of this now so we're at almost 40 minutes i think that sounds like i'm rich roll is like two hours and to be fair there's like probably about 25 minutes of that as advertising um but it's all got to be funded somehow i suppose when you do that kind of thing whereas i'm just doing this for fun um i really hope that somebody listening to this is entertained or get some kind of usefulness out of this because to be honest with you that's that's most of the reason why I'm doing this um, because it's a it's, it is a bit of fun for me and I've enjoyed chatting to absolutely nobody recording this but maybe in the future someone will listen to this and that will make it all worthwhile um, I should probably have an email address because people everyone emails don't they so maybe maybe the next one there'll be an email address that you could email if you don't do Instagram just just to know that people are actually like you know um, listening I suppose anyway you take care whoever you are out there listening to this and I hope you're having a good day and if you're not I hope it gets better and if you are having a good day I hope it stays awesome and um, you just enjoy your life um, so don't forget, hang on, keep moving, keep eating and keep learning. There we go. Right. Bye for now.